0: Off Me Block, Book Two, Boned and Rolled, Chapter 7, Splashbacks and Cavity Blocks We were shacked up in the Royal Marine for a few weeks until we could find a gaff to rent. Once we found that, we could look around for a new place of our own, to buy, like, somewhere nice, you know, up Cologne, somewhere posh like that. I didn't think she'd go for rent on a gaff, but thanks be to Jesus she did. Apart from the cost of living in a hotel which is bleeding well fucking extortion, extortionate so it is. Having two bars just downstairs from you and room service any time I wanted it. Sure I was only milling the gargle out of it. So I was delighted when we found a nice house to rent up on Ard Brewer Road there in Dalkey, If for nothing else but to give me old liver a break from the arthur juice. Herself wasn't overly keen on the house I can tell you. And why I don't know. Now as you might well expect. I know, fuck all about architecture. I'd be hard pushed to tell you the difference between a dormer bungalow and, well, not a dormer bungalow. So I'm sure you'll excuse me description of the gaff. It was a two-story, five-bedroom house. All en suite, of course. And it had a load of other rooms too. It had a lovely deck. One of those jacuzzi things. Didn't care too much for it, mind you. Bubbles up the hole. It feels a bit funny. It's like farting backwards. It even had a mini-cinema, for Jesus' sake. So what more could you ask for, huh? Apparently loads, because herself never stopped bitching and whinging about the place the fucking neck of her. Too bleeding small, according to her. The walk-in wardrobes, too bleeding small. It's a fucking wardrobe that you can only go and bleed and walk into, for the love of God. The neck of her, I tells you. Far from walk-in wardrobes that either of us was raised, or a normal wardrobe for that matter. When I was a nipper, the hot press was about as exotic as it got in the old clothes storage department end of things. And another thing, she didn't like the tiles on the splashback. Wanted them replaced with black glass, so she did. Black glass, says I. Are you out of your Bicky Oa? Janine, we don't even own the gaff. Besides, like, we're only going to be here for a couple of months. Three at the most. I'm just saying that I don't like them as all, says herself. So what's the harm in changing them? Are you hearing yourself pets says I or has all of that muck that you slap on your face finally clogged up your ear holes? This isn't our gaff to go changing things in, and the harm in changing them is about twenty bleeding grand love. That kitchen's the size of centre court at Wimbledon for Jesus' sake. It's only twenty grand, says herself. It's not like we're short of a few, Bob. Oh, sorry, says I, I didn't realise that it was only twenty grand. Ah, sure, go ahead then, pet, and sure, while you're at it, why don't you ring Tiffany's and see if they have any gold taps for the sink and a diamond fucking draining board? A mug flying past me mallet and smashing onto the wall behind me ended that conversation pronto. I told her where she could go and what she could do with her glass, splashback back and stormed out of the gaff. For the want of something to do, I went for a ramble up around Culliney Hill fucking well fuming so i was do you know what i mean like the neck of her i tell you now the few bob was going to her head so it was who'd she think she was Hot posh fucking spice or someone nothing and i mean absolutely nothing was ever good enough for her and her raised in a two-room shack in the bell end and nowhere down in the bogs and here's another thing that irked the giblets out of me that day she'd said it was our money our money me ho. It was mine There was no ring on my finger And there never would be Ever again But her saying that Showed me her way of thinking And I didn't like it If I were to be honest with you The thoughts of giving her Our marching orders Had been at the back of my mind For a while by that stage It wasn't nothing big Like just loads of little things You know And they were starting to add up I reckon if I'd have gone back home Right there and then That would have been the end of it For the two of us So pissed off with her was I Me head was in a jocker I didn't know what I wanted to do. Did I really want to give her the shove? Yeah, I think I did, pal. Did I want to be living all on me Todd rattling around with a ton of money and nobody to share it with, just like poor old Noel had done? No, I didn't. I walked around for a while, mulling all of this over in me cow before finding myself outside the Druid's chair pub. Jesus, seeing that place took me back, I can tell you. It's where I went for a jar the day Noel had come clean with me up the hill. It's where me young fella had come out to me about having the gayness, and it was where Bingo Flanagan nearly killed me and me mates once upon a long ago. It was half past eleven of a Monday morning and far too early to start drinking, so I sparked up a fag and wandered around for a bit, heading nowhere in particular. When I heard the bells of the parish church down in Ballybrack ringing out for the Angelus, I went scuttering back towards the pub and was sitting at the bar with a pint in front of me at five past twelve. As it was now technically the afternoon, I could get swamped and not have to feel guilty about the early hour. I was in a fowler with the other one, and let me tell you, that's something I would have never thought possible. We'd been so happy for all the time we'd been together. Yeah, right, a tussle here and there, like all couples, I suppose. But nothing like what had just happened. She'd never thrown anything at me before. Ever. You'd want to have seen the face on her, but the look in her eyes when she thrown that mug. It was disappointment, so it was. She was actually raging that she'd miss me. The bitch! Getting well above her station, so she was, and it wasn't sitting right with me. The one thing I tried to do when I came into the few bob was to stay as normal as possible. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, I built myself a fancy arse pigeon loft and bought myself a nice motor. But nothing too flash, mind you. I was determined to stay as much like me old self as I possibly could. Not let it go to me head like, and not forget where I'd come from. But herself, it was changing her and for the worser. It was only little things, but they were starting to add up fast and they came to a head with that whole splashback shite. Take this for example. Tesco's wasn't good enough for her anymore. All the scran had to be bought in Marks and Spencers. Fucking Marks and Spensive if you ask me. And another thing, all of a sudden pennies wasn't posh enough for the clobber. Ah, no, it had to be BT and Debenhams and all that shit. Sure, Jesus, I was raised in me penny sizzler, so I was. Nothing fucking wrong with them at all. And for the love of Jesus, don't get me started on the bottled water. The plain old wet stuff out of the tap wasn't pure enough for her. Ah, no, had to be the French stuff. dearer than milk, so it is, for God's sake. The list goes on and on, me friend. I'd noticed it now and again when we were out in Cyprus, but i just put it down to her adjusting to our new way of life, you know. But once we got back here among our own, sure, Jesus, you'd have thought that she was the Queen of Sheba the way she went on, and if I was to be honest with you, it was getting very old very fast. So anyways, there I was, sitting solo at yet another bar, supping stout and wondering how in the name of sweet and holy Jesus I was going to sort things out with yet another queer one. The row with Janine that day had been on the cards for a while, like I said. But was it reason enough to give her the boot? Probably not. Did I love her? Yes, I did. Sure, she was the fucking ham in my sandwich. Was it anywhere near as bad as things had been with the other whore-dog cow-faced bitch of an ex-wife of mine? No, nowhere near I was overreacting. Things would be grand. I stopped drinking sour and drank happy for the rest of the afternoon. Sitting there as happy as Larry, whoever the fuck he might be... I got to thinking about the night in July, 1979, when myself and a few of the lads decided that it would be a buzz to camp the night on Cologne Hill. Now, coming from the city centre way back then, Cologne was out in the sticks as far as we were concerned. So when Flaps Geraghty got a new tent for his 16th birthday, off we set, the five of us bunking a train from Weston Row out to Colony for the night. From start to finish, it was a complete and poxy disaster. Back in March of that year, we bumped into the Savoy to see the deer hunter, so once again we were gung-ho on the old army gear, just like we had been when we'd raided the Ashtown Orchard years before that. Anyways, we didn't half get stick as we marched through town towards the station, each of us decked from head to toe in camo gear and a backpack each that were stuffed with enough bains to feed a Jays as army. The state of us. I am more thinking about it now, so I am. I mean, we could have just worn our civvies till we got there and changed them. But ah no. Pink Eye said that we'd looked at bizzo marching through the streets of Dublin all decked out in our gear. Ripped out of it, so we were. Bottles, cans, eggs, you name it. Those hewers up in the flats fucked it all down at us. Bleeding well destroyed, so we were, by the time we got to Westland Road train station. Anyways, we bumped onto the platform and tried to look as inconspicuous as we could. Not an easy thing to do when you look like the cast of Apocalypse Now, I can tell you. We managed to bunk on the next train that came in, and we were on our way to what we hoped would be a grand old adventure altogether. It wasn't your fancy darts back in those days. Ah, no. We were on a rickety old bone shaker of a banger that stank to high heaven, a stale vomit and sour shite. Still, Despite the bang of the carriage, sure we just got on with it and had a buzz. It was great to be heading off on our own. No parents, no teachers, no rules. When we got to Dunleary, two queer ones got onto our carriage and sure Jesus we'd a great banter with them all together. Even though they were a good bit older than any of us and very classy-like, we did our best to convince them to come camping with us, but they were having none of it. Mind you, there was a gamey old hag of a yoke sitting on a seat between them and us, and she wasn't shy about letting us know that she'd come camping with us. Said she'd teach us a thing or two. Horny little virgins that we were. There was no way on God's green earth that any one of us wanted his first dip in the honey pot to be like shagging a sewer. So we did our best to ignore our advances. Anyways... Like I said, we were on a buck or the old banger of a train with no lights or anything. So when we went through the long tunnel after Docky Station, flaps got it into his head that he was going to steal a grope on one of the queer ones. So off he wanders down the carriage in the pitch dark and hoping for a bit of action. Loving lantern and Jesus, I can't tell you how much we broke our shites laughing when we came out the other side of the tunnel, only to see him milling the face off the skanky one and her bleeding while loving it. She had his hand clasped on one of our soggy bangers, and everything so she did, and the other agent with his eyes shut tight was loving it. He thought he was out there scoring with one of the crackers, and all the while he swapping spit And yesterday's dinner with an one whose hairy banjo probably last saw action when Glenn Miller was number one for Jesus' sake. Well, wait till I tell you. You'd want to have seen the look on his face when he came up for air, opened his eyes, and came face to face with the Crypt Keeper jesus all he was sure to do was puking on her off he went down the carriage screaming like a baby with a slapped arse and rubbing the fuck out of his mouth with the cuff of his jumper socks we gave him absolute and total socks the poor fucker never lived it down and from that day he was called granny grabber garrity the old one was only delighted with herself and wasn't shy about coming after the rest of us to try our luck to Cologne station we thought we'd never get as we clambered over seats and what have you to get away from her and her horny clutches, that dirty old gamey bitch. We spilled out onto the platform in a jocker with the laughing. And as the train pulled out of the station and as we got ourselves ready for the long walk up to the top of the hill, didn't I cop on that I'd only gone and left me backpack on the poxy train? Well, fucking purple in any I screamed as I went tearing after it. What's up with you? One of the lads shouted after me as I went. And then another voice chiming in. Tommy, Tommy, me bag, says I, me bag. It's on the fucking train. You'll never catch it, Tommy, for Jesus' sake. Will you leave it? You'll bleed and well kill yourself. They roared after me. I paid no, never mind any of them. I was too busy absolutely pegging it down the platform to try and get back on the train. Now, back in those days, there was no fancy electric Star Trek doors like you have nowadays. It was just a regular L door with a metal handle and a little wooden step beneath it. It was that step that I was aiming for now. Well, let me tell you. Up until the day I hurried up a Spanish street with ten tons of horned beef clattering after me, I'd never run so fast as I did that morning. Just as I was about to run out of platform, I'd made it close enough to the door of the last carriage. Without so much as a second thought as to what would happen if I missed, I jumped. The window on the door was half open, and as I sailed through the sky, me arms and legs flailing in the air like a spider trying to ride a bicycle, it was that opening that I was aiming for. In less than a heartbeat, I realised that I was fucked. I'd time me jump, and I was, as sure as shite, going to go under the wheels and become instant mince. As was to become an all too familiar occurrence in my existence, me entire life flashed before me eyes in that single heartbeat. It was the realization that I die a virgin, having never made a pilgrimage to the holiest of holes, that gave me one little oomph of energy. How it happened, I'll never know. But the saints were smiling on me that day, if just for an instant, because I Jesus well made it. Me chest slammed down onto the top of the open window, knocking the wind out of me. Me legs were floating in the air, dragging behind me at the same height as me head as the train barreled down the tracks. I managed to get my feet down onto the little step, and it was at this stage that the poxy saints turned their backs on me. Instead of climbing into the Elf Winyo here, they turned be torn the handle to open the door. And wouldn't you know it, it fucking well flew open, so it did, sending me flying into the air at about a million miles an hour. Arse over tits, I went as helpless as a baby. I thought I'd never land, but by Jesus, land I did. In a tangle of brambles that'd make the crown of thorns look like a sweatband is where I ended up. Cut to bleeding ribbons, so I was. I'd a gash on the top of me head like a leper's fanny. Two of me fingers were pointing the wrong way, and to top it all off, I'd ripped the hole the size of drimna in the gusset of me trousers. Other than that, thanks be to God, I was grand. I crawled out of the bushes to the cheers of the lads, who sure as shite given me up for dead. I hobbled back along the tracks and stumbled up onto the platform— Bruised and battered, so I was, but not dead, thanks be to Jesus. Anyone got a fag, says I. Have you none of your own, asks Pink Eye. They're in me bag, you dopey bollocks. Are you tick or what? Relax, the cack, says he. I'll get them for you. Over he strolls to a bench on the platform, to where, would you fucking well believe it, me bag is leaning against the leg of it. How the fuck? Who, says I. I picked it up for you, Tommy, says Pink Eye, as we were getting off like you forgot it. Well, why didn't you fucking tell me? I tried to, says so he. I called you, but you ignored me. Well, there you go. I'd nearly bleeding well kill myself, and it had all been for nothing. Pink-eyed, the dopey fucking idiot. Still, in that el mala there was 40 fags and half a bottle of Dullaculla, which I'd robbed from Ronnie in sips and sups over the previous week, so I could have well killed and kissed them at one and the same time. We'd come looking for adventure, and by Jesus, we were off to a great start. It was only half nine in the morning and already flaps had mooched a corpse in waiting and I'd done me best impression of how blue I is in Von Ryan's Express without the Nazis and the bullets of course. Now you won't believe me when I tell you this but things would only get worse and worse as the day and the night went on. So there we were, a in July morning in 1979 struggling to walk up the Voica road carrying a ton of shite that we really didn't need and we were bollocksed. What we should have done was get off the train and docky and hopped on an El motor bus up to Cologne village and sure then we'd only have to walk up the actual hill itself. But we were townies that didn't know our arses from our elbows so far out in the sticks, so as we were going to Cologne, we stayed on the train till we got to Cologne. We hadn't got a clue that the station was over a mile away from where we actually wanted to get to. By the time we stumbled up to the witch's hat, we were fit for nothing but collapsing on the ground and sparking up fags, despite the fact that by this stage we were only gasping for the want of air. I slung me pack on the ground and collapsed on top of it, only as well wrecked, so I was. And why wouldn't I be? I'd four tins of beans, five lemonade pint bottles filled with water, a half packet of zip to get the owl fire going, a batch loaf, a half pound of sausage, a frying pan, forty fags, a half pint of whiskey and the poxy kitchen sink. I'd started with more, mind you, if you can believe it. Halfway up the Vico Road, two tins of beans, two bottles of water and me ma's good soup pot were thrown over the wall of some poshie's garden. So crucified with the weight was I. Well, let me tell you. That was nothing compared to what El Bingo Flanagan had dragged up that hill, the poor bastard. Before we'd left the station, and while I got myself back together by popping me fingers back into their sockets, a couple of the lads bailed over the station wall and into the bushes to have a slash. Only myself and Wally Mason stayed on the platform to keep an eye on the gear. Now, about a month before this, Bingo had pulled a fast one on Wally by pissing into an empty can of lilt and giving it to him. Here, Wally, says Bingo. Uh, Try this new stuff. Only the bizzo, so it is. The poor bastard was a good two gulps into it before he copped on. Totally tropical taste, me bollocks. Jesus, there was murder that day. He went for Bingo, bald-headed, so he did. And it was only that the other lad's older brother was there to save his bacon. I reckon Wally would have ripped his head off and shit down his neck. Anyways, Wally had been itching to get his own back ever since and when he spotted Bingo's backpack lying there on the platform he took his chance. As for myself lying there with the blood gushing from his split count and screaming in agony as I put my fingers back into the proper place he could have taken a shite in that bag and I wouldn't have cared. There was a bit of building work going on down the far end of the platform so there was bits and pieces of this and that lying around and it was to there that Wally was headed. As fast as a starving fly on fresh shite, he was down there and come staggering back up the platform, a cavity block swinging from side to side between his little legs as he tried to run with it. He had the other lad's bag emptied in a heartbeat, put the block into the bottom of it, filled it back up and was sitting with his legs dangling over the edge of the platform and smoking a fag when Bingo and the rest of the lads climbed back over the wall after doing their business. That poor, sorry bastard toted that poxy cavity block all the way from the station to the top of the hill. the poor bollocks. And no mean feet given the size of him, let me tell you. Sure, he was only a waif of a young fella with about as much meat on him as there was on a three-day-old ham bone in a kennel. Anyways, we laid there baking in the sun and trying to have a bit of a rest. And poor Bingo, none the wiser as to what he was dragging around on his back. It took us a while to get our breath back after that walk up the Vico Road, I can tell you. "'You'd have thought that a bunch of young fellas like us "'would have been as fit as fiddles, "'but what would smoke in the old, "'untipped players' navy cut cigarettes "'should we just lay there panting like asthmatics? "'It was a good hour before we were ready to head off again.' "'We found a decent little spot about halfway down the hill, "'big enough for the old tent and a small fire. "'It was only the bizzo so it was. Myself, Wally and Bingo went off rummaging for a bit of firewood, "'while Flaps and Pinkoy went about setting up the tent. "'We were in our element, so we were.' It was a gorgeous day. We had smokes, a bit of a dizzy sup each, a few bob in our focus and not an old pair in sight to tell us that we couldn't do this or that. Sure, it was the good life and we knew it. The three of us traips back to the camp about half an hour later with a huge bundle of firewood each. What do you think, asks Flaps, standing proudly beside his new tent. Are you taking the fucking piss, says I, flinging me firewood to the ground? What, says he. What, says I, what? i tell you what, it's fucking tiny as what, well. I've seen gnats with bigger mickeys, how the fuck are the five of us supposed to fit in that? We won't, Tommy says he, as calm as you like, it's only a two man tent. And where in the name of Jesus are the rest of us going to sleep, huh? Did yous not bring your own tent? says he. Bring our own tent? says I. We don't fucking well have our own tents. You said I got a new tent, yous want to go camping. And do you know why we've never gone camping before? Because we don't have any fucking tents, Epoxy bleeding gobshite. Only fuming so I was. Come over here and say that, Tommy burst at Johnny Costello says he. Red rag to a bull, I jays as well flew at them and we went rolling around the ground punching and kicking the living shite out of each other. It was just at this time that Bingo found the cavity block at the bottom of his bag and he went mental. Of course, Wally couldn't keep a straight face, and before you could say, sweet babby Jesus, Bingo only heard the block at Wally. Where he got the strength to do it, I'll never know. Like I said, he was a slip of a young fella. But that block went fucking flying in Wally's direction. One corner of it missed him by less than an inch. So the two of them now went for each other like nails on leather, leaving poor old pink to dance around the camp, screaming for peace and helpless to stop any one of us from kicking lumps out of the other. It only came to a stop when Flaps, the dirty, cheating bastard, reefed me newly broken fingers backwards and I screamed like a queer one in labour with the agony of it. The other two stopped when they heard me and we all just sat there for the next hour, sulking and not saying a word while Pink Eye did his best to get us all to wipe the slate clean. Look, says Flaps after a while. I I didn't know, right? I tell you what, it's going to be a nice night. How about we sleep out under the stars, like? All of us. We can leave our bags in the tent, you know, to keep the midges and that away from the food. What do you think? A few hours later, we had a nice little fire going and we'd made ourselves little seats and all using rocks and branches. We sat there smoking fags and taking snipes from our mix of spirits and having the banter, all hassle forgiven and forgotten. As it got dark and as the gargle did its job, we were only delighted when Bingo pulled out a little transistor radio and tuned in to Dr. Dan on Radio Dublin. And Jesus, we bopped around to Tubeway Army, Blondie, Anita Ward, the Rats and the Lizzie. It was only the bizzo, so it was, and far better than traipsing all the way out to Rahini to go to the Grove to listen to all the shite they played out there for the Clontarf pushies. We were having a ball, so we were... Right up until about nine o'clock, that is, when the poxy heavens opened and a bleeding well lashed. Round hole, square peg. Whatever way you want to put it, we jammed ourselves into that tiny tent. All thoughts of keeping the food safe from the midges went out the tent door with the bags squeezed into it so we were. Legs and arms everywhere. There wasn't even room to turn a sweet in your mouth, for Jesus' sake. We were like a pack of refugees in the back of a bread van. I tell you now, not since nowhere had there been rain like it. It didn't let up for ages, and after about an hour of it, the ground was so waterlogged that the tent started to slide sideways down the hill, with the five of us inside it like. Myself and Flaps got out and thrown a few rocks and what have you in front of it, and that did the job for a while, and anyways, there we sat, squeezed into that two-man tent, thinking for all the world that things couldn't get any worse. Which they didn't, till Bingo sparked up a fag and dropped his match, the dozy fucking Gombein. Loving Jesus, that tent went up like a dry Christmas tree in a bucket of fire lighters. And why wouldn't it? A hundred percent polyester and sprayed the shite with shellac as it was. Even with the rain only barrelling down, we couldn't put it out. So we stood there getting soaked to the bone and watched as Flaps' birthday present shriveled away like the wicked witch of the West. A poxy bleeding comedy of error so it was if I was to get highfalutin about it. We were fucked and we knew it. It was just after 10 o'clock and we'd nowhere to go but home. But back in those days there were no late night trains. Everything shut down at 9 o'clock. We were stranded in Cologne for the night. Without any shelter, sure, we were soaked to the skin, and in the rush to clamber into the tent when the rain had started, Bingo had dropped his radio and broken it, so we couldn't even listen to an old tune or two to take our minds off the situation. What are we going to do now, says Pinkoy. How the fuck should I know, says I. What do you think I am, a fucking butlin's red coat? I'm just asking us all. I know you are, but what makes you think that I know what to do any more than you, for Jesus' sake? We can't stay here, says he. Oh, fucking good one, Brain box. I'd never have copped that on if you hadn't said so. Here, lads, Wally chipped in. Why don't we go back up to the witch's hat-like? If we can climb up into it and get inside, sure, we could stay out of this shite till the morning. There's no windows or doors or and it'll be drafty, but at least we'll be indoors. Uh, uh, sort of. Back up that hill I thought we were never going to get with the amount of muck pouring down it. It was like Willy Wonka's Chocolate River, so it was, and if Augustus Gloop had shot past us, I don't think any of us would have batted an eyelid. After what seemed like hours we eventually got to the top and scrambled through the wind and the rain to the witch's hat. Sure enough, the door on the upper level of it wasn't sealed like the bottom ones, but try as we could, we just couldn't climb up into it. The top of the wall was about six inches from me grasp when I stood on Flaps' shoulders, and what with us being the tallest if we couldn't reach it, the others definitely wouldn't. Tell that old obelisk, the witch's hat. Bone-dry inside as it was, was no use to us, we couldn't get in. Jesus, we were fucked all together. All we could do was huddle in one of the arches and try to stay out of the wind and the rain till the storm died down. That remained the plan for all the ten minutes, when an unmerciful bolt of lightning hit a tree about a hundred feet from us. Out of the frying pan and into the fire, or oh, what? Now, I'm no genius. Far from it, but I had to cop on to realise that we were now sheltering at the base of the highest thing for miles around in the middle of a fucking thunderstorm. Having had first-hand experience of electrocution after sticking the brass point of my compass into a socket to see what would happen, I wasn't too keen on repeating the experience with the power dialed up by about a million. Without uttering a single word, I grabbed me bag and pegged it down the path. The same path, in fact, from which, years later, I'd catch me last glimpse of Noel, me father. I ran in a zigzag like a footballer running through those little cones for fear of being on the receiving end of a short circuit from God's fuse box. The lads were after me in a heartbeat, and as we ran down the hill towards Kalini village with the lightning flashing in the sky above us, We couldn't help but laugh with the nerves as we charged down the seemingly never-ending steps towards the Druid's chair pub. I can't tell you how happy we were to get down in one piece, but still, we were fucked. With nowhere to go, no way to get home, and without a hope in hell of getting served in the pub, we were miles up Shits Creek without so much as a canoe, never mind a bleeding paddle. There was a phone box outside the pub and we took turns of sheltering in it, It didn't make a blind bit of difference, really. Sure, we couldn't have gotten any weather. Here, lad, says Bingo. I have an idea. It's a bit dodgy, but... What is it, says I? Game for anything at this stage to end the misery. We could stroke a jammer. Stroke a jammer, says I? Are you bleeding fucking mental? Jesus, if we were snared, we'd be ruined. uh, Locked up, like. We won't get snared, I promise. It'll be a doddle. What makes you so sure we won't get caught, says I? Look at the rain, says he, for God's sake. There's no copper wants to be out in this. Right, says I, even if we did stroke one. Sure not a one of us knows how to hotwire a car, let alone drive the fucking thing. Hotwire it? What do you think this is, Kojak? You don't have to hotwire it, says he. Just push it. Me uncle does it all the time with his jammer when it won't start. Come on, I'll show you. Look, that one over there. Well, against our better judgment, we went with it. There was a white Renault 4 parked across the road and up a bit and before we could decide otherwise we were doing it, we were robbing a car. It was at the top of a hill which went under an archway and down by that castle gaff that your one-end you lives in now. Bingo told us that all we needed to do was to put it into second gear and push it down the hill. He'd pop it into life by taking his foot off the clutch and Robert's your father's brother, the engine would start. Pink Eye kept nicks outside the pub, while myself and the others reefed the back door of the car open and climbed inside. I sat in the passenger seat beside Bingo, while Wally and Flap stood at the back door on either side, ready to push it down the hill. Bingo took the handbrake off, put it into second, and when they started to push, Pink Eye joined in. In only a few seconds, we were hurling down the hill, going so fast that the three lads only barely managed to hop in. Right, here we go, says Bingo, as he took his foot off the clutch. Nothing happened. Not a jolt, a shudder or a shimmy from the engine. There was fuck all of nothing happening. Try it again, says I. He did it again and again, but nothing happened. By this stage, we were only tearing along with no lights and on a dark road. I was scrambling to unbuckle my seatbelt, ready to bail. For the love of Jesus, what's wrong? Why isn't it working? I screamed. I was breaking it. Ah, bollocks, says he. I know what's wrong. What? What's wrong? Screams Wally from the back seat. Oh, I think the key has to be in it for it to work. You think? I screamed. You fucking think? I thought you'd done this before. No, I said me uncle's done it, but I think he'd have the key in it, like. I was wailing like a banshee and still struggling to get me seatbelt off by this stage because we were only fucking maring down the road. Hit the brakes, roars, flaps. The other lad was pumping them to beat the band, but there was nothing happening. Try the handbrake shouts, pink eye. Right then, at that very moment, the sky lit up with lightning and we could now see what was in front of us. We were almost at the bottom of the hill and the road bent on the sharp left and we were going way too fast to make that turn, I can tell you. The three lads in the back bailed out and went barrelling and tumbling down the road like spilled apples, the screams of them convincing me otherwise as the bailing out. I clicked my seatbelt back in and braced for the worst. At the very last second, Bingo reefed up the handbrake and the car spun to the left and skidded sideways towards a granite wall. For the second time in less than 14 hours, I got ready to meet me maker. My number was defo up this time as far as I was concerned. It was only the blessings of the holy Jesus that the rain had washed a load of crap into the gutter right on that bend and there was enough shite gathering up beneath the car, branches, twigs, leaves and what have you, to slow us down at least, if not stop us sliding all together on the wet tarmac. The car bounced up onto the curb and came to a stop about a foot from the wall. Jesus, that was close, says Bingo. I thought lights out. I fucking well clattered them so I did. The other three were more or less okay barred a few cuts and bruises. Mind you, Wally hit the ground face first and looked like he'd washed his cheek with a cheese grater. Other than that, we were all right. We walked back down to the station in the pissings of rain and huddled in a shelter on the platform eating cold beans while we waited hours for the first train back into town. We never, ever went camping again after that. Ah yeah, fond memories of the druid's chair all right. I stumbled out of the boozer that evening and walked back to our gaff. Having drank happy all afternoon, sure I was only in flying form and all bad thoughts about herself were gone from me mind. We made up, kind of, sort of. She could have her glass splashed back if she wanted to. It was only money after all and sure didn't we have plenty of it. There was no point in getting into aggro over it now, was there? It's amazing how a clatter of points and a goo for a roll around can change our mind, isn't it? Sure wasn't she, me sweetheart, after all, and even though I'd spent the best part of four months obsessing over the Dymphna one, I was still only bleeding well mad about you, Nene. Jesus, we didn't half go at it that night, I tell you. The splashback was worth every penny. Well, at least till I sobered up, of course, then it was back to square one on the l splashback as far as I was concerned. Jesus, I'll never learn. Coming up on the next episode of Off Me Block, Book 2, Boned and Rolled. Chapter 8, Pretty Woman. Come the start of June, it was time for young Safina to burst our belly bubble and drop our sprogs. I couldn't bleed and wait to be a granda. It was gonna be the bizzo so it was, and I had every intention of spoiling those two little fuckers rotten once they arrived. Jesus, it was a good job she was ready to go, cause I don't think she'd have lasted any longer with the size she got. She looked like she'd swallowed one of those space hopper things, and then pumped it up some more just for good measure. The poor mare went a week over, so she did, and by the time the babbies came out of her, well, let's just say there was that much pressure built up in there, the two of them came baiting down her lady tunnel like the fucking Jamaican bobsled team. She was only in the delivery room for all of five minutes before I could hear the wails of the babbies coming through the walls. The spire came tumbling out of the room as pale as paper a minute later and just managed to tell me that it was a boy and a girl before he spewed his bricky all over his poncy deck shoes. The fucking God, I was a granddad and just like when little Safina popped her head out of our L1's messages all those years ago, it changed me. Hello, it's Stephen Duffy here. Thanks for joining me on Off Me Block. As always, I hope that you're enjoying it and that you'll join me next week for the next chapter in Tommy's story. You can subscribe to Off Me Block for free here on Anchor.fm, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.